Kia ora and welcome to the Authentic Connection Podcast. It's Laura here and I am delighted that you have taken the time to listen today. The Authentic Connection Podcast is all about the magic of storytelling, the power of storytelling, the learnings and the wisdom that we can gain from other people's stories. And speaking of storytelling, my guest today is the master of visual storytelling and journalism. Her name is Kiani Matata Sipu. She is the founder and leading lady of Nuku, which is a project to amplify indigenous wahine. It's a movement that's powered by, made by, made for indigenous women. The conversation begins with Kiani telling us about her journey with storytelling. She grew up surrounded by it due to her being from a Maori and Cook Island family. We then chatted about Nuku, the project that is her kopapa, her purpose, and why she wanted to start it in the first place. And really, the long and the short of it is that Indigenous brown women are at the bottom of the privilege ladder. She wanted to take the opportunity to, to amplify some incredible wahine, wahine who are doing things differently. We talk about her learnings from the journey with Nuku, then we dive into some practical things, why our environment is actually important for our stress levels. She gives us uh, an incredible indigenous practice for emotional cleansing called pure or whakapuringa. So I think that one's a pretty cool practice to try if you're interested in experimenting with a different cleansing practice. We chat on food, we chat on love and what she's learned from her partner of 18 years. I am pumped for you guys to listen to Kiani's interview today. I know that you'll get such incredible value. She is down to earth and practical and funny. So I'll leave it to her. Without further ado, here is my conversation with Kiani. Hi, Kiani. It is lovely to speak with you today. Thank you so much for your time, first of all. You're more than welcome. You mentioned that storytelling has really been instilled as part of your childhood. I'd love to hear your journey from a young age with storytelling. I have Whakapapa Māori in Whakapapa Cook Island. And I guess for me, storytelling is intrinsically a part of our cultural heritage. Mm. We have stories intertwined into everything, our creative arts, our history passed on orally, our tattoos and on our arms and our bodies and our faces and you know all of these different parts of our culture tell stories. There's been that element of storytelling right from birth where it has been a part of my upbringing just by way of being Māori and Cook Island. But storytelling has also been a part of my childhood in that I grew up with lots of adults and I was the only child for 10 years in my family. So not just my mum's only child, but the only child in my grandparents' family. So my auntie and uncle didn't have children at the time. My mum just had me. So I just grew up with all of these adults and learned to talk quite early on and then didn't shut up. Um, (laughs) And so talked quite a bit all through my younger years. And my grandmother, when I was two, my grandmother recorded 
what I like to call now my first podcast. But, um, <laughs> Before podcasting was even a thing, is that? Yeah, yeah. This little cassette tape, her and I talking, her asking me questions, us singing Waiata together. And I still have that. And actually, my husband digitized it for Christmas. Oh, just gone. So that was my Christmas present. So it's gorgeous. It was, it really was a part of who I grew up to be this person who told stories, being little ears, hearing all the adult stories, and kind of, I was able to keep secrets, but you know, I knew how to retell the story with all the animation um and then sort of as I got to primary school age I would talk to my grandparents and I'd sort of joke in the hallway or in the lounge of my house and hold my hand up like a microphone and go and this is Kiani from Te Karere and like pretend I was reading the news and by the time I got to high school um and I was in my final years of high school my grandmother said to me oh um I think you're going to be a journalist And I really hate it when people tell me what I'm going to be or what I should do. I was like, no, no, not going to be that. (laughs) Just just because someone else said that's what you should do. It's kind of rebellious streak in me. Actually, I really enjoyed English and social studies and arts and the creative sector. And I applied to get into the communications degree, um, which was quite a competitive degree at the time um, and I got accepted and so went through that for three years majored in journalism and became a professional storyteller instead of just a <laughs> instead of just a whanau storyteller yeah it's pretty much been the journey and storytelling has had significant parts in all different moments of my life and for varying reasons as well which is it's been interesting looking back and dissecting all of that <laughs> That's really cool. I'm just reading a book at the moment and it's talking about how literally the human's ability to tell stories is what makes us human. And I just think mm. that's such a cool sort of way to put it. Like there's no other mammal that can invent things and believe them. It also triggers hormones within us. And so I had done a lot of research around the power of storytelling a few years ago and discovered from a scientific perspective that it triggers things like dopamine and, oh, I had another one in my head, oxytocin, I think it is. It's these feel-good hormones that make you really trust the person that's telling you the story, that if they're saying something that relates to you, that you have this connection to them. And so storytelling is really powerful from a scientific perspective as well, which I mm-hmm. thought was really fascinating because I'm not a very good science or mathematician. Um, <laughs> but to see that within us as humans, it triggers different hormones. I was like, wow, that's that's pretty cool. And so that's why when you r- listen to or read or um, watch a really good story that you emotionally get affected by that. Yeah, incredible, incredible. And so tell us about Nuku the project where you're amplifying Indigenous women's voices and stories. Yep, so Nuku was launched in January 2019 and I, as I said, I became a journalist as soon as I left university and had spent a lot of my career working in long-form 
magazine journalism. I worked for small Māori and Pacific media, which was really funny because when I was at uni, I was like, I never want to work for Māori and Pacific media. I don't want to get typecast as only being able to do those kinds of stories. Um, and my first job was at Mana Magazine, which was the leading Māori magazine in the country. And so it's like, oh, that plan went out the window. <laughs> because I had this background of long-form writing, Māori and Pacific focus stories, I really had this passion for telling our people's stories. And as my career progressed and as I eventually moved out of working for other people and starting my own business, I recognized that being an Indigenous woman in the world comes with a whole lot of different things. It comes with a whole lot of stereotypes. It comes with a whole lot of expectations. It comes with people assuming that you are something or you're not something. And so if your skin color is in a certain shade or if you don't speak your language or if you don't live on your island or whatever it is, they question your indigeneity. And I find that it was even stronger amongst women. And I wanted to flip that a bit but I also wanted to explore the diversity of indigenous women and so I came up with this idea which also came at a very difficult time in my life to amplify the voices of 100 indigenous women after I made the first 10 I was like why did I say 100 (laughs) that's ambitious (laughs) it is but it was so important to me at the time and I've only really realized how important it was now like now that we're three years deep actually what I was thinking back then and what I was feeling I've only again just started to unpack a lot of that now Mm. and so when it launched in January 2019 I had not long lost my grandmother and my grandmother helped to raise me and she was a huge important wahinetua in my life yeah as still my mother losing my grandmother was quite a significant event in my life and we lost her very unexpectedly and very suddenly and my husband and I were also going through infertility and had yet to you know have a child of our own and so I was in this really limbo space I was in the middle of something ending and something else not quite beginning and questioning myself as an indigenous woman and this expectation that as a as a brown woman, you're supposed to be able to just pop out 10 kids and, you know, you're expected to have this big family. And so all of these sorts of things were going on in my life, as well as me going, what am I doing now? Because while I have a successful business that I, you know, I still run full time, what was I actually doing to feed my soul and to contribute to positive social change in Aotearoa and who did I want to reach and talk about? And when I looked at the privilege you know, ladder, imaginary ladder that we have in the world and have in Aotearoa, at the top of that privilege scale is white men. Mm. And then often white women next, and then brown men, and then brown women. And mm. so we're at the bottom of the privilege scale and everything. Our voices are suppressed. Uh, when, you know, when the mainstream media are wanting to ask about Waitangi Day, they go and ask a white man about it. They don't go and ask a brown woman about it. And so, yeah. All of these things fed into this idea of creating Nuku. And I wanted Nuku to also challenge me. So 
I decided to make it a multimedia series where we'd have a hundred podcasts and I'd never done broadcasting before. Mm. I don't ever worked in print media. So that was a bit of a challenge. <laughs> I wanted to incorporate my photography practice. And so every woman was also going to have a creative portrait shoot. We've got behind the scenes videography with an amazingly talented Fijian Samoan young woman, um, Taylor Olmoa, who came on board as our intern and then she was never allowed to leave and she's never allowed to go anywhere we're out of my family now she's stuck with us forever incredible and my best friend Melissa who from the time we were born we were creating random things together and she owns a hair salon and was like I'll come and do hair and makeup um, and so we just created this kaupapa and we knew that at the end of 100 we were going to be making a book because what I felt was Yes, it's important to do podcasts and it's important to share the stories of Indigenous women from a diverse cross-section of Aotearoa and overseas. They have to have come here because I can't afford to fly to them. Yeah, (laughs) of course. It was so important to get different ages, different parts of society, different industries that they work in, different stories that they have. And then it was just as important for me to put that into a book and have a keepsake taonga that I could hand on to my daughter, of whom was conceived as Nuku, the idea for Nuku was being conceived. Ah, incredible. That we could hand on to our our tamariki so that they could see 100 powerful Indigenous women that were interviewed, photographed, videoed, and all of these products made by Indigenous women. Mm. That was such a significant part of it all. And that's a very long-winded way of answering your question. No, not at all. That is all super juicy. I want to know all of this stuff because that's what makes it so special. And I can imagine there were even like, the first question I want to ask you is like, what what have been the biggest lessons you've learned along the way, specifically in the Nuku journey? I learned something new from every single wahine. Mm. And we've just interviewed number 65. And... I have learned something new from each and every one of them. What I've discovered across them all is that while they're all different, we're all the same as well. Like we all have elements of our story that we can connect to and relate to and that are similar. And some of the wahine that I've interviewed, you know, they're well known in the country and they're used to being interviewed in Grace magazine covers and all of these sorts of things. And some of them are local community people that people outside of their region probably have no idea who they are. Mm. Yet their stories are still very similar. Mm. And I think that was really powerful for us to show as well. And what I had already knew but was able to uh, help others to discover that it doesn't matter whether you're famous or not famous or whether you're, you know, doing this little thing that not many people know about, every single person is contributing powerfully to creating a better future for our Indigenous women. And it was an opportunity to showcase that. So I learned a lot about that. I learned a lot about delegation. Mm. <laughs> so Nuku is my baby, is definitely my baby. And as a, you know, when I say that I had my daughter, I pretty much had twins because Nuku came about at the same time as her. I do, I do a lot of things on my own anyway. That's just the realities of running a very small business. Mm. But last year I was able to get a production manager on board and, it, and having another pair of hands to help progress, you know, the kaupapa to mm. see how much more we could grow a movement and all of that sort of stuff was really powerful as a woman 
to go, you can't do everything. Mm. <laughs> Get some help. And so that was pretty amazing to discover that about myself. <laughs> and then I have, you know, just through this whole process, I have learned how to how to carry myself differently. I mean, I've been inspired by every single one of our wahine and it makes me feel so much more confident in who I am, but also it's helped me to remove some of the barriers that I put around myself. And I'm quite a, I'm quite a confident outspoken person and people who know me will be listening to this and laughing going, yeah, whatever, say what you really want to say. (laughs) (laughs) I still have a lot of insecurities and I had a lot of insecurities about my worthiness as an indigenous woman. Mm -hmm. I had a lot of insecurities about my uh, level of te reo. I had a lot of insecurities about whether I was good enough to run my business Mm -hmm. and going through this process with Nuku and meeting all these wahine, you know, it has helped to break those down and you know I'm a big woman I've never really been a skinny person some of the wahine have really helped to transform my thinking around how I see myself and how I love myself and how I speak to myself and so it really has been a journey for me Um, lots of the wahine say to me you know thank you so much for giving us a voice or thank you for choosing me and I'm like no thank you like I don't think you understand how much you've given me in this process and as I said to you before unpacking the last three years what I've discovered is that Nuku has healed me and has helped to heal me. And I didn't realize how dark that time was before I started Nuku Mm. until I got out of that and saw how bright it is now with all these amazing things that are happening um, and all these amazing people that I get to meet. And so learning all of those things um, has been great. And one of the things that I already knew, but that has been strengthened through Nuku is that my life is tupuna driven. For those that don't know what that means, is that my ancestors very much guide me. And I can see that and I can feel that. And for some people, they might be religious and they have an understanding that it might be God that drives them and they have that very strong connection. And I know that I'm very much tupuna driven because some wahine, I don't think I'd ever get to interview them. And for some reason, they would, you know, at at a particular time when a particular thing would be happening, they'd get back to me and say, oh, we'd love for you to come down here. And then when we met, it's like, oh, I I know someone in your family. or I And it's just like these really interesting connections that get made. And Taylor and I talk about this all the time, even just our relationship together. We're like, our grandmothers brought us together. Like both of our grandmothers had passed on and we're like, our grandmothers brought us together. We're supposed to learn things from each other. Like very tupuna driven, which has been, been beautiful to see that confirmed through this process. Amazing. Wow. That's incredible. Yeah. It's, it's incredible how just sometimes it's a, a timing thing and timing just lines up perfectly, which helps mm. you helps you to understand that there's there's more to this all than just things happening in a world and physics and all of that sort of stuff I suppose yeah and and it's also about putting faith in well your gut feeling is where these people talk to you where your tupuna talks to you or where god talks to you or whoever it is that's guiding you the universe papa tonaku whoever it is yeah (laughs) 
it's in your gut that they they help you feel that if things are going wrong or if it's not easy then you kind of have to step back and go okay maybe this isn't where I'm supposed to be going or what I'm supposed to be doing and so you follow the path that's easy and then you you discover things that you never planned on or you discover things that you never thought would connect in a way and that's very much what this has been and I think you know my my daughter coming when she did was now I understand I was very angry at the time because I'm like hurry up but but now I understand I'm like yeah that was the right time and Nuku being born when it was (laughs) came years and years of experience and and connections and building a reputation and meeting people Mm. to get to where it is and I have these huge ambitions for where Nuku's going to go but I also know that that's going to take a bit of time and in the right time it will happen gonna leave it put it out there <laughs> leave it in the winds and trust a little bit yeah it's a lot of trust a lot of trust and faith yeah totally the podcast authentic connection is it's about all sorts of things but what I love to talk to people about is those moments where you are feeling either like busy or stressed out or scattered what is a practice or what is something that you do to kind of bring yourself back into that gut feeling or back into your body rather than really in your head I giggle because this happens to me all the time. I actually am quite addicted to work, which is not a great thing. Mm. I don't know how to slow down. And I attribute my identity to being crazy, <laughs> by being completely full on. Because while Nuku is my nonprofit social enterprise that I run full time, I also have a full time business. <laughs> I have a full time kaupapa protecting our whenua and ihumatao. I'm a full-time mama and wife and you know so all of these things in some days it just is too much there are a couple of practices that are really easy so one of the things I'll do is clean the house and I hate cleaning mm-hmm. um, one of the things I'll do is clean the house and really it's about an organized space helps to get an organized mind and I know that if my husband and I are, you know, maybe ratty at each other, it's often because the house is messy and we're just tired and, you know, all we can see is mess and there's, there's just chaos. And so there's chaos in the conversation as well. Totally. Your environment's so important, eh? Yeah, it's so important. And like, I, I work from home. I work in the third bedroom of my house, have converted into an office. And it's not easy working from home because there's lots of other things that come into play with that. But you just make whatever space you have work. You know, I'm, I'm not a clean person in terms of my desk. My desk always has papers on it and piles of notebooks and all of that kind of stuff. But they'll be fairly orderly. So, (laughs) and every now and again, I'll give it a good clean and and get the brain ticking again. One of the things I actually found really, really helpful from this cleaning perspective was we, I would always have clothes everywhere. And I actually traced the stress in my life back to my washing machine. (laughs) And it's kind of this random thing, but I had a very small washing machine, Ah. which meant I had to do loads and loads of washing to kind of get through a basket of washing, which then meant there was always piles of dirty washing in the laundry that when the washing was clean, because I was so tired of having to stand there all day and wash four or five loads of clothes, I couldn't be bothered putting them away at the end of the day. Mm. And then I had so many clothes that there was nowhere for them to go. So then they just stay in the washing basket. And so what we, and I know this sounds like some people are like, what the hell? This is such a stupid story. But actually 
I traced it right back to this washing machine. So I went out, I bought a bigger washing machine. We donated our washing machine to someone who needed it. Our, the new washing machine, before we were able to use it, we went through all of our wardrobe and just took out everything we couldn't fit. We couldn't wear, like we didn't wear anything that was holy. We sold a few things. We donated a whole bunch of stuff. And then anything that was crappy just went out. Mm. And then I went and labeled all of the drawers and all of the everything. And now one load of washing does all the clothes. They all get hung up. They all come back in. They all get folded. They all get put away. And there's no fighting in my house, which ah. means there's no stress in my life, which, you know, like it's simple things like that, yeah, that you don't really think of that actually contribute to the stress. So that's sort of one very practical side of it. The other thing that I advocate, and I say this all the time, is actually an indigenous practice called pure, or people also might know it, know it as whakapurenga. Pure is, in, in short, it's a process of cleansing yourself. And sometimes people will do it under a full moon naked at the beach, um, or sometimes they will do it in, in their own sort of way. What I do is if I'm feeling really flustered, really foggy, really heavy, really stressed, I will go and find a moving body of water. Ideally, if I'm going to the beach, it'll be on an outgoing tide. If I'm going to a river, it'll be near the top of the river so that the water's flowing down and away from me. I will go there. I might do a karakia. I might just speak some words. I might not do anything. I might just cry, you know, whatever it is. And I immerse myself in the water with the idea that I'm giving all of that stress to the water and it's taking it away. And there's a really strong energy pull from our tile, from our environment. And when you go into an outgoing tide, the the tide or Hinemoana, the goddess of the ocean, she pulls that out of you. And I don't know if you notice when you go to the beach on an outgoing tide and you leave there, you feel quite tired because the tide is pulling at your energy. That's a practice that I definitely do. I encourage many people in my whanau and in my friend circles to do the same. And if you can't get in and swim, another another way that you can do it is you might find a leaf or you know, like a twig or something like that. You might just put all your hara, so you might just put your the negativity or the whatever it is that you're wanting to get rid of, put it into that leaf, speak it into that leaf, and then you throw that leaf in and let let it go away in that sense. If you're lucky to be there on a turning tide, so as the tide's going out, you might just want to stay a little bit longer. And then as that tide's coming back in again, you receive all of that really positive, full energy back into you. I swear by that practice. It's an indigenous practice that I'm really proud to have reclaimed as part of my everyday water in my everyday health and well-being. I just think, you know, going into our taio, going to our, into our oceans, into our bush really is how we ground ourselves and how we reconnect and how we reconnect with ourselves. It's taking, stripping us right back to the most basic um, connections that we have to our environment. Mm -hmm. Incredible. Yeah. That's, that's a beautiful practice. I think that's lovely. I I don't do it naked though. (laughs) (laughs) That's just extra for experts. Yeah, yeah. That's like, you know, that's that's the hard out ones. I'm not I'm not at that level yet. <laughs> Probably works just as well with clothes on by the sound of it. <laughs> yeah. 
yeah I suppose the next question is around connecting really authentically with other people what's something you like to do that because we it's pretty easy to fall into the old small talk sort of habit what's a way that you like to connect really authentically with your whanau and people around you so food is always a big thing especially in my family my husband and I try every night to sit down at the dinner table with our daughter and have dinner together as a family and sometimes that's really hard when you have busy lives but actually it's really important and especially our daughter's now three and the other night we sat at the table and she said so mama how was your day today and she just is so used to us you know we ask her how was your day today what did you do it's getting her into the habit of sharing Mm. and sharing about her day and knowing that it's a safe space that we can talk about whatever happy things but and often she's like oh my friend hit me or (laughs) I played in the sand or whatever it is but we try and do that as a whanau and as my wider whanau I know that when we all get around food we sit there and talk all day and all night and so food is a huge thing for us I mean I'm quite an open person naturally so I'm and I'm very much an oversharer so I never have a really I never personally have an issue with sharing but there are members of my whanau who are not communicators so finding ways in which they communicate and trying to adapt to that it can be quite tricky sometimes yeah it's really important to it might be a certain time of the day it might be that you've got to go for a walk or it might be that you know you have to do something that they want to do I really make the effort why well, try and really make the effort to do that with my whanau because whanau means so much to me it is my greatest everything is my whanau and I hate it when my whanau are not talking or you know if there's there's an issue or whatever it is and so um, trying to always have open communication is huge we also love to go again go to the beach and that gets us all talking about stuff yeah love to read books with my daughter we read a lot that's something that I do with her yeah um I really like the one oh sorry I was just gonna say I really like you know because it is easy with the one people who are who are chatty but with people who aren't chatty you know just meeting them where they're at and doing something that they feel really comfortable doing and it's super simple but it makes so much sense and it's having patience with that because I'm Mm. a I'm not a very patient person b I'm very loud and very chatty and very dominant and so I have to kind of go you know what take a step back yeah (laughs) tone it down for a moment and also offer you know do you want to go and do this and if they say no then just accept that and reconnect in it, you know, reconnect in another way. And one of the things I've, I was just going to say, one of the things I've started doing with my nieces and nephews is buying them experiences for their gifts for birthdays or Christmas, as opposed to buying them a toy or something like that. Because when you buy them the experience, you connect with them on a different level. And I take them. So my niece just had a birthday. She turned nine. We went to like a high ropes course. Oh. And so we got to go and experience that with her. And she got to share in her fears while she was doing that. And it really helped us connect with her and her connect with us. And my daughter did the baby version. Oh and so, God. you know, it was it was about pushing, yeah, like pushing all of our boundaries a little bit and stepping outside of our comfort zones. And all of those things really help us to connect as a whanau. My, my husband is not a talker at all. And so trying to find ways is a work in progress. <laughs> 
yeah it's tricky yeah and so your partner you're obviously in a long-term relationship what's some of the things that he's taught you over the years well we've been together 18 years this year wow and we're still quite young <laughs> we met when we were 17 <laughs> we're teenagers wow and we're very different he's quiet and he's he thinks a lot and he doesn't open his mouth like I, I'll speak first often before I think <clears throat> whereas he kind of thinks and then it might take him two days and then he'll kind of <laughs> reply to something yeah 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 and he comes from a, a Tongan heritage which has very strong customs and language and he's grown up with you know there's 10 boys or in their family and he grew up with eight of them and at home and so I grew up with just me and then my sister came along and I've got two brothers as well that are <laughs> we're a very <laughs> interestingly connected family but I didn't grow up really with my brothers yeah we come from very very different backgrounds and he has taught me a lot about I guess we read the, these books about love languages um, someone had given them to us and was like, oh, you know, read this and discover what each other's love, love language is. And I realized that his love language was words of affirmation. And so he really, what I said to him and how I said things to him mattered. Whereas for me, I'm not really bothered by what people say to me, but if you clean my house or if you, my one is ex service or something like that. Like if you did something for me, then that really makes me go, oh yeah, I'm so grateful for this and I love you for that and whatever it is and so he's taught me a lot about what I say and how negative or positive how how powerful words can be when you're speaking it to your loved ones which I'm really conscious about with my daughter and so he's helped me in that sense he has really I don't think he realizes this but I am so in awe of his ability to speak his native language I give total credit to his parents who raised all of their children in a Tongan speaking household and they speak Tongan to their grandchildren as well. I am so proud of the fact that he has held on to his language and is now teaching his daughter. And so that has encouraged me even more to improve my te reo Māori and to continue and to not give up and to keep trying no matter how hard it is you know try another way and do another thing and so that's been something he's really funny and sometimes I'm quite serious and so he's taught me to lighten up a little bit mm. you sound like you balance each other out really well yeah yeah there's just there's lots I think that I've learned from him over the years our relationship has been, it's been long. It's been 18 years. Yeah. And over that time, nothing has been the same. Like we've grown together. We've gone through some really difficult times together. And he was my rock through a lot of the hardest times of my life. Losing my grandfather, losing my grandmother, not being, you know, going through infertility. He was always hopeful. It's one thing that I sometimes have to search for is hope when I'm feeling that down and he was always hopeful and held me together while I may not have learned to do that for myself I've learned to allow myself to be vulnerable 
to have someone else hold all the pieces together when you have to. And sometimes when you're a strong person who's strong-minded, who can do anything, who can, you know, all of geez, I'm very self-deprecating in some of this cordial too, but, um, <laughs> you know, who's, who's very strong-willed, sometimes you have to allow yourself to break and let someone else take over for a little bit. And so I've learned to do that with her. Cool. And only do that with people you really trust. That's that's my caveat on that one. <laughs> totally, yeah. <laughs> yeah, obviously he's lucky to have your trust and be able to be that rock and be that support and be the hope for you. Yeah, he's pretty incredible. He drives me up the wall sometimes. Of course. We get on each other's nerves like you wouldn't believe and he's my biggest pain in the ass, which is what we both laugh about, but I would not be able to do life without him. Mm. Um. What are you hopeful for for 2021? What are you excited about? This year, I mean, we were supposed to have finished Nuku in the first year. Like, we're like, we're going to go hard and we're going to get it done. And then we were supposed to finish it last year. And then we're gonna go hard and get it done. <laughs> and so 2021 is the year we're going to finish and get to the 100. I can see the finish line. We're very close now. And I'm really excited because we've also started writing the Nuku book and started looking at cover concepts and getting quotes on papers and all these like really exciting things. And so I've definitely got that to look forward to because I'm really, I do really want to get to the 100 and have accomplished that and then think of, okay, where do we go to next? Because we've grown this movement, we've grown this whanau of Indigenous women and it can't just stop once we get to 100. So I'm just really excited to see what's going to happen after that. My daughter is, she's sort of at a phase in her life where she's now much more aware of what's happening in the world. She's much more aware of, you know, she's going to big school, you know, not soon, but, you know, she's in that age where she knows what big school is. Um, Her development and her learning is, is getting, is just going speeds ahead. And so I'm really excited to watch her grow into who she is. I am working my cousin and I are working together on our reo Māori and really investing time and space into speaking more te reo and learning more te reo with each other and making it an everyday part of our lives and I think just in the world that we have today in this COVID world I think just you know being in this space being privileged to be in Aotearoa I'm actually just looking forward to not being in other countries where you know, they're, they're so much worse off than what we are. Oh, totally. I am hoping, though, that in a couple of weeks' time, my trip to Abel Tasman National Park is not affected by COVID because I'm really excited about going to do a hike and a kayak through there, which I've never done before. Incredible. Ah, oh, that's super exciting. That's something quite soon on the horizon that you can get excited about. Hmm. Yes, hopefully. It got cancelled last year because of COVID. Uh, so we're all like holding our breath. This group of friends of ours we're going together. So here's hoping because I just really want to go and spend some time in the Taiao in our environment. <laughs> yeah, we are so lucky here. Well, thank you so much, Kenny, for your time and for all of your beautiful wisdom with the Taiao Maori view. So thank you. Thank you so much for having me.
Ah, thank you so much for listening, everybody. If you are interested in checking out Nuku, Kiana's project that she chatted about, I highly, highly encourage you to have a look at it. If you're a podcast person, which you obviously are because you listen to this podcast, she has a podcast interview with each woman. If you are a visual person, jump on her website, Nuku, N-U-K-U, woman.co.nz. Please let me know how you enjoyed today's interview. Share with your friends, leave a review on the Apple Podcast, iTunes app, or wherever you're listening to this podcast, and I'll talk to you very soon. Thanks, guys. Bye.